Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to A Free Solution. I am so happy that you're giving me a chunk of your afternoon. That is amazing. Here, Larry Sharp on WYSL in Rochester, New York. W-E-N-Y-E-N-I-L, my recording, The Patriot. W-A-C-K in Newark, New York. The Cool Newark. 585-346-3000. If you want to give me a buzz. Well, usually when I chat about New York and the things that are happening in New York State, it's almost always just bad news. But maybe we actually have some decent news. Now, it isn't perfect. It can't be in our state. That's impossible. But recently we passed the HALT Act. If I get the the name right, it's the Humane Alternative to Long-Term Confinement Act. Now, there were some good things in this. There really were. One of them was the idea of not actually having children, um, people who have mental disabilities, put into solitary confinement. This is not a bad thing. And also saying that you can only be in solitary for 15 days at a time. Then they can pull you out. They can put you back in, but they got to give you time out. The damage being done is massive damage. This is a good thing. I'm not unhappy about this. There's an issue though. While I am not unhappy about this at all, I think it's terrible that we would put people in solitary confinement for literally years. For those of you who saw my Sharpway show, I talked about this last night, a gentleman from Florida who was convicted as an adult at 13 years old and spent 18 years in solitary confinement. Yeah. So, and to be clear, and while he was part of a violent crime, no one lost their life. And he was sentenced to life without parole. He got out, which is great. I'm glad he's out now. He did like 20 years, 18 in solitary confinement. That's horrible. The bad part here is that we didn't, hold on, let me rephrase that. It's not a bad part. It is a part that we overlooked. And in New York State, we constantly overlook. There will be a lot more work for corrections officers. And I'm not unhappy about that. Corrections officers are professionals and they will deal with that extra work. But they didn't add any tools for them. That's the downside, right? I love the fact that we're being more humane. I am not happy with the fact that this bill does not add what has been touch tools for our corrections officers, for our COs to deal with people 
who sometimes are very violent in prison. This is a situation they have to deal with. So, but Larry, so now we shouldn't have this? No, no, we should. I am very happy. As you hear me constantly do, I don't pick just one side or the other. I want prison reform. And I want to include our corrections officers in that prison reform. And what I constantly see is us not including them at all. When I ran for governor in 2018, I literally crossed the state and visited prisons and talked to COs. My father was a corrections officer in Rikers Island. I want prison reform and I want corrections officers as part of that reform. They're the ones dealing with these people every single day, often violent, but not always, but often, but surely people who are in a bad spot who are going to do bad things. You probably know of the, the Stanford experiment, which showed that when you just in an experiment, almost in a joke, when you make people prisoners and certain people guards, they act a certain way. So there's going to be problems. So let me be clearer on this. I am very happy that we're not going to be cruel and put kids in solitary confinement for 18 years. At the same time, we have to make sure that we do give our corrections officers other tools to deal with the situations they have. And for some of you who may not know this, when you have someone who's in prison who has basically given up hope on getting out or being successful, when they've given up hope, what do they have to lose? So they want to stab somebody or punch somebody or break somebody's nose. So what are they going to do? Keep them in jail longer? They're already in jail. They ain't getting out. And they know if they get out, they're going right back in. They don't care. That's an issue. So we have to find more tools. 18 years of solitary confinement is not a good tool, but there are those that can be. Now, why did I use that? Because of what I talked about. The guy, Ian Manuel, I think that's his name if I got it right. He was convicted in Florida and he spent 18 years in solitary confinement. It's cruel. And the woman that he hurt, by the way, he shot somebody when he was 13. And I get it, you're going to prison. 18 years of solitary confinement, a lifetime sentence when the woman who he shot forgave him, right? You don't get to be more angry than the person who got shot. That person's like, you've been punished enough. I'm good. And she had to fight the state to get him out. Yes, she, the woman he shot, had to fight the state to get him out. We shouldn't have that. But it's the second part to this bill, which is actually not bad in theory, but again, not fleshed out. They call this the RRU. It's a residential rehabilitation unit, which means it's a way of helping people to get out and have a chance of success when they get out. Why do I care about that? Well, if you remember, I talked about this last week. There was a 65-year-old 
Asian woman on her way to church, walking in Manhattan, and she was kicked, and I mean kicked physically, foot to the body multiple times by a guy who was out from prison. He kicked her so badly that she had a broken pelvis at 65 years old. You know how hard that's going to be to heal? And more important than the broken pelvis, which is horrible. On top of that, to make it worse, is now she's traumatized for the rest of her life. She's traumatized. You're walking down the street, middle of Manhattan, middle of the day. Not at night in a dark alley. No. Middle of the day, walking to church, some guy out of nowhere. And when I mean out of nowhere, I mean, yes, out of nowhere. Just starts kicking you on the ground and breaks your pelvis. Now, why do I care about that guy? Because he got out of jail. He had been in jail for I forgot how long. 20 years, whatever it was. Because this guy killed his mom when he was like 18, 19 years old. Now I said, wow, why did that guy get out of prison? Well, I guess he made parole or whatever. But my point is always the same. If we're going to let people out with no chance of success, why are we letting them out? It's a serious question. Why are we letting them out? This guy was homeless. He was at a hotel that New York City was paying to keep this guy housed and for two years because he couldn't get a job and he clearly had mental issues. I mean, you, he killed his mom at 19 and then randomly kicked some woman in the street. Clearly you got mental issues. This isn't working. This is failing. We have to find a better way to make this work. Now the residential rehabilitation units is not a bad idea. I talked about this when I ran for governor. There is a way to not spend extra money. There is a way to help people who are gonna get out. And also something else, to judge them effectively so that when they go to a parole board, we can say, you know what? No. Or, yeah. I want people out. I want them getting second chances. But my God, did we screw up letting this guy out? He got out, can't get work, is on the dole anyway, and then literally assaults a random senior citizen. Why don't we have a better system for this? I think the HALT Act, while by no means perfect, is at least a step in the right direction. I'll, I'll give them that. It's a step in the right direction. We should be more humane. We should try to rehabilitate. If we do that, people will get a second chance. We won't have the violent people back on the street. We'll have to judge you know, these people effectively, which is what I want. Because that guy either should have had a better chance at success or he shouldn't have gotten out. Either one of those was the right answer. But getting out and beating somebody else, no. Locking some guy for 18 years in solitary, no. We can do better. We can find a free solution. Larry Sharp here on A Free Solution.
585-346-3000. Back after the break. A free solution. Hey, Larry Sharp here on A Free Solution. WYSL, Rochester, New York. W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Corning, The Patriot. N-W-A-C-K in Newark, New York. 585-346-3000. I'm also host of The Sharp Way. So if you want to uh, follow me on that cool show, please go ahead. Love to have you on board. You can follow us on Facebook or YouTube or whatever you like. I'm happy we're on all the internet things. Before the break, I was talking about people or convicts getting out of prison and then getting back into the world. I talked about the idea of a residential rehabilitation unit. And that is what New York State's talking about now. I would like to go back to what I talked about when I was running in 2018. And for those of you who care, you can head over to LarrySharp.com slash policy. My policies are still there. If you guys care, please check them out. I talked about the idea of that same thing, a rehabilitation unit in the actual prisons. Now, why would I bring this up? Several reasons. One, there's a model that working relatively well. And that's the Humvee model that was in Massachusetts. I'm not sure if they still have it, but they had it back then at least. And in that model, it was almost like um almost like a boot camp or almost like a halfway house, something like that. And what would happen is volunteers would come in and run it and you'd pull out certain people who the CEOs believe or that the warden believes May, are either eligible to get out, will be getting out soon, or may be getting parole soon. And you put them in this facility. It's in the prison or right outside of it. Volunteers come in, and the volunteers tend to be people who are from that same community. And what I mean by that is, if it's veterans, in this case it was veterans, it would be veterans who were convicted felons who had had success on the outside. They would come in. Well, who's going to fix a problem? The person who's had the problem already, right? Perfect. Who are you going to hear? The person who's most like you. Perfect. In they come. But the piece is that I liked, it was overseen by, again, corrections officers. They said, well, Larry, why do we want corrections officers here? Here's the reason why. Because we're humans and we can make a mistake. And the people coming in could be lying or wrong or bad or something. And who's going to know who's the guy who's full of it better than two people? A guy who's been through it before, who can see through your lies, combined with a corrections officer who's literally been living with this guy for the past five, six, or eight years. Yeah, those two together can go, ah, mistake. This guy needs to go back into Gen Pop. Out you go. Oh, but these guys, okay, we can move them forward. The recidivism rate at that time in Massachusetts was over 70%, meaning that if people go to get out, 70% came back in within three years. Under this program, it was less than 5%. Massive difference. Less than 5%. 
That means we're saving time, money, and lives. This is a home run. We should keep doing this. This is what we should be doing. Now, I said, Larry, aren't you glad that we're at least trying? Yes, absolutely. But we got to do it right. If we just check boxes, we'll fail. If it's only social workers, we'll fail. If it's only corrections officers, we'll fail. If it's a combination, it can win. That's how I know. And I said, well, Larry, what did the corrections officers think about this? When I brought it up, they loved it. They loved it. Why? Because some corrections officers are happy being corrections officers. They like being prison guards. They're fine with it. And some are like, no, not at all. I've been, I'm tired. The, 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 what I got from them was this phrase, more than once, which is funny. That's why I remember it. I'm too old to be rolling around on the floor with these guys. That was told to me by more than one person. And some of these guys would rather be part of something like this, trying to make some more impact. I would like the CEOs to come home and talk to their family and not say, another hard day with these guys. I feel like I'm a zookeeper. And that's what they would tell me. I'd rather them go home and go, wow, I think I made some impact today. I think the the people who shouldn't be on the street, I made sure they're staying in prison and the people who deserve a second chance, man, I think I put them in the right program today. I'm making some impact. I would like more COs to think that way and less to think they're zookeepers. I know that sounds horrible. I'm telling you how they feel. That's all I'm saying. Let me grab a couple comments here. I hope it's making sense what I'm saying. Sam says, let's take the social workers out of the schools and put them into prisons to help offenders reintegrate. I'm in, Sam. I love that idea. We could actually stop outsourcing parenting and let the parents raise their kids. I'm in. And instead, put the social workers with the people who probably don't have good parents, right? That's not a 100% rule, obviously. But if you look at the prison population, it is filled, filled, not 100%, but massively with young men who have no fathers or father figures. That's a common problem. So yeah, that's a wonderful idea. Schools will still have psychologists and guidance counselors. Yep, no extra cost, win-win. Sam, my man, yes, that's a free solution. And that's what I wanna hear. And the thing I mentioned is volunteers come in and COs who are already being paid so they're already on, on, on the, in the union. They're already getting paid. They now voluntarily shift into this. And there are many CEOs who will go, yeah, I want in. Some wouldn't. Some don't want to do that. That's fine. It's not mandatory. There's tons of CEOs who will go like, yeah, I, I, want, I want that new program. I'll do it. And the best part is now some of those CEOs will find out and by the way, CO stands for corrections officer. I'm sorry, I should be clear on that. Some of those COs are gonna come over and go, you know what, I wanna be a social worker. I wanna be better at this. And some will shift over. So now I get a social worker who's also been a corrections officer. On top, I have volunteers. I am stacking the deck for maximum success. Now, am I still gonna have people who are knuckleheads 
and get out and do something stupid? Yes, that's going to happen. Am I still going to have some people scam the system? Yes, that's going to happen. But man, it's, it's almost the norm now. How about we make it to where that's very rare? How about we set up a system to where that's very rare? And I think we can. And I think Sam's right. And no extra money. In fact, we'll save money as less people come back to jail and pay more taxes because they get jobs. We'll save money. And I want to bring up this, the save money part real fast. Sadly, I mean, I shouldn't be unhappy about this, but I kind of am a little bit. The reason why we did this was to save money. I know. And I guess I shouldn't be sad about it because people often go, you know, the money, it's a bad thing or whatever. No, we're trying to save some cash because we're broke. So we're like, if we can get people out and, and not house them, then maybe we could save some money. That's true also. So I like the humane part. The money part's fine too. And this is called the free solution. So anyway, thank you for that, Sam. Um, Ed says, as much ex-cons getting back to the world, you've seen how prisons in Sweden and Denmark are treating better than the U.S. because they rehabilitate them as they give them their own room, teaching them some skills and such. You know, Ed, I want to bring that up. I'm going to bring up the Nordic countries. Scandinavia has a different issue. We should chat about that. I'm going to bring it up after the break. I will take more of your comments and your calls after the break. Larry Sharp, a free solution. 585-346-3000. Back after the break. Do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website, their hands on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. It is Larry Sharp here on WYSL in Rochester, New York. W-E-N-Y, E-N-I, Elmira Corning, the Patriot. W-A-C-K in Newark, New York. 585-346-3000 if you want to give me a buzz. And I'm happy that you're here. But remember something. This show's on every day. So you can follow the show, A Free Solution, 
on YouTube and on Facebook so you can get notifications so you can, you know, pay attention whenever it's on. It's awesome. And we got cool people like the, the, the cool Kevin Wilson's on, the ultra super cool Andrew Hollister. Come on. You can't beat that. It's amazing. So before the break, Ed had asked um, about countries like Sweden and such, the Scandinavian countries and how they do things. They have shifted and adjusted their prison system tremendously. And I think it's Sweden. I may be off. It may be Norway. But I think it's Sweden. I'm sure someone can correct me. They actually have mandatory maximums, not mandatory minimums. They will, you, you may not be, you may not be sentenced to more than 27 years in prison, no matter what you do. Literally, if you are a mass shooter, 27 years, that's the max you can get, period. And their logic behind this is a very different logic than most countries have. I'm not sure if it's correct, but I get it. And if it works for them, then maybe it is correct. But their logic is when you keep someone in jail any longer, all you're doing is spending more money. You're not doing anything else. And with that in mind, it forces the system to work on rehabilitation. It Because he's getting out. No matter what he does, he's getting out. So it forces them to not be about punishment, but to be about rehabilitation. So you got 27 years to make a murderer, not a murderer. That's not easy. And I'm not sure if it's going to work. This is a relatively new thing in Scandinavia. We won't know for at least two generations if it actually works or not. But if it does, wow. Wow. So it, it might be true. It might be the answer. But the concept I like about this is what Ed's talking about, is their focus is exactly the right focus. It is the right focus. Is that policy correct? I'm unsure. Is the focus correct? Yes. And you might say, well, Larry, it's not fair. This guy beat somebody up or shot somebody or hurt somebody or raped somebody. He's got to go to jail forever. That's justice. I disagree completely. That's not justice. That's punishment. Justice is somehow getting back restitution for the person who was harmed. I would ask you, how does that work in our current system? And let me give you a serious example. Some guy, and I know I keep saying guys, but because the vast majority of prisoners are, are men. So some guy beats you up and takes your money. Okay. You're traumatized from getting beat up. You've lost the money. You're not getting that back. Say he uh, takes a bunch of stuff, jewelry and stuff you have. It's worth 2000 bucks. making that up. That's what took all that stuff. It's a lot of money. You're not getting it back. Done. So you lost two grand. You got traumatized. This guy goes to jail. He goes to jail for five years. Whatever it is. Five years. Great. He goes to jail for five years. You're paying for it with your tax dollars. So you got robbed twice. How's that justice? Then he gets out. He's now a better criminal because he's been with violent people. He's learned nothing. He's just five years older. He went and took your money because he thought that was the best way of getting whatever he wanted. 
That's why he did it. His mind hasn't been changed because he's been in prison for five years with other violent people. So now he used to know how to beat people up. Now he knows how to rob houses. Awesome. He's a better criminal. That's our current system. You didn't get justice and he got no help. And now he gets out and he's now on public assistance. You're paying again. You got robbed three times. Boy, that's a win. But imagine the opposite, a different style. And a style is he robs you, take 2000 bucks. Now he goes to jail for five years. And in those five years, we do what Ed said. We do what Ed said. And we actually train this guy. You might go, Larry, we're going to spend our money to train some guy to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. Because now when he gets out, now it won't just be job training. It may also be things like, uh, you know, emotional training, maybe anger management, all the other things. It may just be mentoring. It could be literally psychotherapy, depending upon what the person needs. And they get out five years later. Guess what? They got to pay you $2,000 back. Yes, I'm not joking. Plus whatever interest or whatever it is, they owe you. So they got to get out and they got to write you a check or pay you over time or whatever. And they got to pay you money back. Yeah. And maybe part of this retribution is some form for your trauma. I mean, money doesn't solve anything. It doesn't solve everything. But at least now he's paying something back and he now has to realize I messed up and I got to pay for it. That's far more of a justice system than a punishment system. And the best part is if he actually gets a job, we don't got to pay for my public assistance or when he goes back in jail anymore. This is the type of justice system we should have that if you mess up, you actually pay it back in some way. There's some way of getting your stuff back. Some way of the person. Now, someone might say, well, then Larry, if I get job training, I'll just start robbing people to get a job. Okay. If you really think that being in a prison where literally you might be gang raped is your only way of getting a job. Okay. I guess I'd rather you do that then sit on public assistance for 20 years. I don't know why you'd want to, but okay. And I can't see mass amounts of people doing that, but fine, if that's what you want. The, the idea of someone taking advantage of a prison system is pretty slim. I mean, somebody might, fine. The one guy or gal gets through and scams the system and gets free job training for five years in prison, fine. Um, fine, but we still have a way better system. So I think to Ed's point, the focus is correct. I'm unsure if that specific policy is right. Thank you, Ed. Donnie says, if our primary goal for prison is punishment and not creating reformed Americans capable of living and fulfilling and peaceful lives, then our prison system needs to die. I like that, Donnie. I'd like to reform it. I I'll say it again, though. This is a critical piece. It needs to not be a hugely expensive system because that doesn't work. And we have to include our correction officers in this system. They are critical to understanding. I've said this many times. 
Here's what I know for sure. In prison, there are people who should be there and should never get out. And there are people who should do their time and get a second chance and move on. And there are people who shouldn't be in prison at all. All three of those people exist. The problem, what I don't know, is which one's which. I don't know that. Who has the best chance of knowing which one's which? The people who work with them every day. The, the correction officers. So if I'm not talking to them, how do I divvy up? How do I know? I don't. I got to have them with me on this. That's an issue. So yes. Benjamin says, I believe it's called breaking the cycle or something like that. Yeah, Ben. 100% brother. Let's make that the norm versus the oddball. Matthew writes, I think criminals should pay restitution to the victims. Yes, absolutely. Um, E.g., if, if you kill someone's dad, when the criminal gets out of prison, they have to pay some of their income, like alimony to the victim's family. Oh, interesting idea. So you're saying you replace the income if you murder somebody? Hmm. I'm open to that concept. I don't know if that works, but I, I get what you're saying. I think we'd have to have a plan for that. It, it, it'd have to be more detailed. But I get the point. I think you're walking down the right road. Another free solution. Thank you for that, Matt. Larry Sharp on a free solution. WYSL Radio. Back after the break. This is Kevin Wilson, the host of A Free Solution. If you're enjoying this episode right now, you think that me and Larry Sharp are providing good content to you, I'd appreciate you doing us a favor. We have a Patreon now. If you go to patreon.com slash a free solution, pledge to donate five, ten dollars a month, just a, a few bucks a week, and this helps us create new content, hire better researchers, get better guests, and Helps us stay on air, too, because it's not totally free to be on the air. Give $5, $10 a month to our Patreon. And as a reward, we also give you exclusive early access to some of our episodes and bonus content as well. Stuff that you will no longer be able to find on the podcast. So go to patreon.com slash a free solution to support our show and make sure that me and Larry Sharp can give you the best content possible. Thanks. A free solution. Hey everybody, Larry Sharp here, host of the Sharp Way Show here on a free solution, WYSL, Rochester, New York, W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira recording the Patriot, and W-A-C-K in Newark, New York. Thank you so much for giving me a small chunk of your afternoon. I was off a bit. I said it was Sweden, it was actually Norway, and I said 27 years it's 21. I just looked it up during the break, so I was off by a little bit. That was off of my memory, so I apologize. The concept is the same, but it actually is you cannot be sentenced to more than 21 years, but if they deem you not ready yet, they can extend that for five years twice. So you can go up to like 30 years. Or, yeah, it's, it's yeah, to, to a maximum of 30 years. So they can go four, five years and then four years. The actual maximum is 30 that you can serve. You can't be sentenced to more than 21. And that's how Norway has done it. And that began in 2008 
so 12 years ago or 13 years ago. So we won't know the outcome of this policy for at least a generation, at least another 20 years or so, maybe more. We'll see. I hope it's the right answer. I do. I don't know if it is. I hope it is. And I hope 20, 30 years from now, we see it works and we adopt whatever works. But the glory of this, this goes why, sorry, this goes to why I'm always talking about localization, counties being counties, states being states. Because Norway right now is an experiment for us that the entire world doesn't have to deal with, that just Norway deals with. And if they're right, well done. Let's copy. And if they're wrong, hopefully we learn from it and decide, okay, either don't do anything like that or let's modify it. We see what went wrong there and we can adopt it. One of the reasons why we have not done well recently is two. I shouldn't say one, two reasons. One is we're trying to focus on centralized control for everything instead of allowing local counties and local communities and even states come up with their own rules and regulations and ideas and see what works and go, wow, that works. Let's do that. Oh, that doesn't work. Don't do that. And second, we've had an aversion to looking overseas and learning from what they've done. The problem is we always assume that we have to look overseas for something to adopt completely. And that's a bad idea. And the best example I can give you of that is the Japanese after World War II. The Japanese didn't just take everything that the Western world was doing, America was doing. They looked at it and said, what works in Japan and what doesn't? That's the smart move. We should be saying, what's going to work in my county and what's not? And we don't do that. And often it is because a cultural or emotional reason behind it. And when I talk to people about prison reform, constantly I hear, why do we care about these criminals? To hell with these criminals. Lock the door and throw away the key. Bury them under the jail. And it's all emotional. And if you were a victim, you might feel that way. I get it. I've had my house robbed. I used to live in a very poor neighborhood. I've had my house robbed. I, live, I had my house robbed <laughs> when I wasn't in a poor neighborhood. Um, so I, I've been a victim, not of violence. So that's one thing I have not been a victim of. But I still feel that there should be a better way. For those of you in my background, my father was a corrections officer and at a different time, my mom was a, was a convicted felon. So I've seen both sides of this. And there is an answer for both. It is mutual respect and looking at the long run. What Ed was talking about in his post, thank you for that, Ed, again, was exactly the right answer. We've got to be looking for a way to make things better, not just punish. And Donnie said it. He said, is the primary goal to punish? Well, then what are we doing? I mean, he wants to just let it die. I get it, Danny. Donnie, sorry. But um, 
No, I don't want to let it die. I think we have to have a system. I mean, we have to have a system. In my view, I'm sure there are some people who think we shouldn't. But I think we should. It should be fair. And it should not be a punishment system. Our system says it's a justice system. That's what it says. But it's not. It's a punishment system. And we've confused punishment with justice. And they are two separate things. This HALT Act is, as usual, not amazing. But it's a good step. And I know it's hard for me to say that as a libertarian, that any law would be a good thing. I know. And I know it's rare that New York State passes anything that's actually worth anything. I know it's rare. But maybe, you know what? Maybe I am so accustomed accustomed to bad, horrible, terrible stuff happening that when something that just isn't bad happens, I'm like, yay, my expectations are so low that when something mediocre happens, I'm jumping out of my skin. Oh my God, it's not terrible. Look at that. Maybe that's where I am now. I I hope I'm not there, but I feel like a part of me is there. So Benjamin says, there's a YouTube documentary about prison reform. A person from Norway came and visited Attica. There we go. So guys, if you're interesting, interested in that, please check that out. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Royal says, I think we need to do something about reducing jail sentences for nonviolent crimes. Yes. Um, but there's, I'm going to adjust that a little bit. People often talk about the nonviolent crime. I want to talk about the victimless crime too. Right? Nonviolent isn't the only thing, particularly one thing now, which is cybercrime. Right? I mean, imagine this if you would. Somebody says, I'm going to put, you know, ransomware on your computer, and you can't have your medical records unless you pay me $100,000, $50,000. And you can't afford that. So your medical records are stuck until you can get them someplace else. So maybe it even happens at a hospital to where you can't get service. You might be seriously affected by that. And it's not violent. So I would look at the impact of the crime more than the violence of it. Violence matters because violence is very often more traumatic. That's absolutely true. Violence is usually more traumatic. I think we also, in addition to violence, have looked at actual impact. Because sometimes, I mean, for example, say if some guy, I don't know, comes up and punches you. That's terrible. And you'd be traumatized by it. But you recover from the punch much faster than you might if it's a medical piece where now you can't get, you know, some kind of medical service for 30 days that you need desperately. The impact might be worse on the cybercrime than the physical crime. That's all I'm bringing up. I want you to consider both of those, right? The impact and whether it's victimless and violence. All of those combined, I think, yes. If we really look at punishment, it should be based upon the impact, 
not just based upon what the person did, and also on the intent. And that's why we have murder one, murder two, murder three. It's also the intent. So I think both of those together, and then the violence. And now start saying, how do we get somebody to pay it back? I mean, to Benjamin's point, if the person is put away for 30 years, they can't pay you back. They're too busy get serving a sentence. Let's pay people back. Larry Sharp, a free solution. Thank you so much for giving me a chunk of your afternoon. I will see you all in a couple days.